Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from TrainingIndustry.com. Hi, and welcome to the Business of Learning, the podcast from Training Industry. I'm Scott Rutherford, Head of Digital Operations and Marketing, here with Taryn Ace, Managing Editor of Digital Content. Hi. One thing we've learned at Training Industry over the years is that there are a variety of paths people take to enter and advance in the training profession. Whether L&D is their first job out of college or whether they switch into a training role later in their career, the paths that learning leaders take throughout their careers can offer insights for newer and more experienced professionals. Our two guests today are here to talk to us about their careers so far and to offer advice to you. And we'll get that conversation started in just a minute after this. Hi, I'm Brandy, and I'm the Learning Program Administrator for the Certified Professional and Training Management Program. The CPTM program was designed to convey the essential competencies you need to manage a training organization. And when you become a CPTM, you gain access to alumni resources like monthly peer roundtables and a full registration to the Training Industry Conference and Expo. If you start today, you can earn the CPTM credential in as little as two months. To learn more, visit cptm.trainingindustry.com. On the podcast today, we're joined by Dr. Crystal Walker, who's the Director of Organizational Development at Guitar Center and a Certified Professional in Training Management, and Alicia Engel, a Senior Talent Management Consultant at Auctioner Health System. Crystal and Alicia, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Let's start at the beginning. Can each of you tell us how you got into L&D? And let's let's go alphabetically. Alicia, let's start with you. Yeah, so as you mentioned, um, I definitely did not, my first job did not start in L&D. I actually started in a completely different industry. And shortly after I started my first role, I learned there was a lack of leadership and zero communication and there was no formal or even informal training. And so as you can imagine, a ton of mistakes were made and I was so miserable with myself and my performance that I wanted to figure out how to help other people not feel as miserable as I did. So that's when I learned about industrial and organizational psychology and how I could make this a profession to help other people learn how to be effective in their role, learn how to communicate with others and provide developmental opportunities to be better every day. So. The rest is history. That's how I kind of got into L&D and training. Right, and Crystal, how about you? You know, it's funny because my story aligns a lot with Alicia's. (laughs) I don't think people of my generation, and I'm a generation Xer, by the way, but I don't think most people actually sought out as an um, initial career in the L&D space. I think we just sort of landed here given our passion for teaching and and perhaps our desire to transform, whether we're seeking to transform a a person, a team, or even a business. And and I believe that desire to really transform has led us into the L&D space or even the learning and organizational development space. Um, I actually started my career as a receptionist for a finance company while pursuing my undergraduate degree. And this was my first real exposure to the C-suite. I worked in the corporate office with the owner of the company. I was privy to the day in the life of the owner and the work ethic it took to manage his competing priorities every day as the leader of the company. And that gave me insight on true leadership development, which is what I decided to focus on in school. I left that company for a property management position um, where I landed as an assistant manager um, while I was pursuing my graduate degree. And during this time of my educational journey, I noticed that there was a gap. There were um, 
many non-traditional age college students who had reached a bump in their careers. And they had plenty of work experience and were pursuing their education, but then suddenly they found themselves either displaced or wanting to change careers without really understanding how to market themselves or, them, or their skills. And so that actually served as my dissertation topic because I wanted to find out what resources were available in college career service centers for this particular audience. And so as I was pursuing my doctorate degree, I was given a chance to facilitate a few professional development workshops. And with that success came the opportunity to teach as a regular adjunct at Springfield College and then as a visiting professor and the director of the Writing Center at Woodbury University. Um, unfortunately, that university didn't have a tenure system and I decided that after 10 years of negotiating contracts that I needed something a little bit more stable to support my lifestyle. So I took a job as a corporate trainer, which was a great opportunity in my opinion to marry my corporate and academic background. And that actually set the tone and exposed me to the training industry. And so I started doing some research on the training industry's website to really better understand the industry, what employers were looking for and their employees. And I had an opportunity to, uh, within that role, begin building learning and development courses. I think by default, I landed in organizational development, which I absolutely love because it provides a broader focus of the true needs of, of what employees need. It exposed me to strategy around employee engagement, diversity and inclusion, performance management, talent, leadership development, and change management. And I found so much passion. If I had an opportunity to retire right now, I'd probably do so as a learning and organizational development consult consultant without a second thought. And I know that was a long way to answer, but that's how I landed here. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think everyone has a journey uh, into their current role. Uh, you know, the the the, the tendency in, in the modern uh, uh, workplace is that you have, I think, you know, not one career, but uh, a succession of them. And, and uh, L&D is probably no different. Um, I was going to ask what you enjoy or, or enjoy most about working in L&D. And I think you may have alluded to it um, sort of early on in, in what you were saying, talking about um, – you know, really, really bringing it down to the notion of, of it's a position where you can help people. I don't want to paraphrase for you, but what do you enjoy or, or most enjoy about working in, in the field? Sure. So in addition to helping people and transforming people, I enjoy really the challenge of presenting the appropriate business case. So I believe that as L&D professionals, we work really hard to prove the value of our training programs and we want to get the appropriate buy-in and support from our senior leaders. And so that opportunity to take a use case provide a solid solution, even if that solution comes by way of trial and error and we, we share what went well, we share what could have been improved. And um, I, I think that information is certainly worth sharing. Um, if we aren't properly measuring the success of our programs, it's easy to find ourselves and our teams on the receiving ends of criticism. And I don't think that feels good as a learning leader. Oh, Alicia, what do you think? What, 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 what do you... Um enjoy? What do you find most rewarding about the field? I really enjoy working with the variety of people and learners and really getting down to the core of their needs. So especially in healthcare, we have so many different types of people. You know, we have the clinical, we have non-clinical, corporate, and everyone has a different need. So I guess my favorite part of this is when I get to work one-on-one -on -one with teams and maybe this is kind of like their last straw. They don't know what to do. They're having issues, they're running into challenges and they can't work productively. And I enjoy coming in and helping them uncover the root of their issues and then creating a solution that is going to satisfy their needs and help them work 
better together. One of my favorite things one time I was, I was facilitating in one of our learning um, development classes and a woman stood up and she said, whatever we talk about in here, you have to listen to her because she has helped transform my team. She came in and we worked together and collaborated and the dynamic on my team has totally transformed and we all come to work feeling happy and productive and good about the quality of care that we're providing for our patients every day. And to me, that was so rewarding to be able to come in, help people find the root of their issue when they can't see it. Sometimes you get stuck in one perspective and then help design a solution that's feasible for them to feel better about the work that they do every day. Right now, what about the flip side? What are the um, some of the challenges that you faced along the way? Uh, uh, Crystal, do you want to start? Sure. Uh, for me, um, I, I think a, a more recent challenge has been creating a team of learning and development professionals with the appropriate skill set. Um, as we've been talking all this time, you have people who sort of land in the L&D space. Um, in my experience, I've been a team of one. And as you know, it can be difficult to support the needs of a business with limited bandwidth. Um, but I've also been a part of a team where everyone didn't have that foundational L&D background and in some cases actually lacked the passion necessary to create that positive and effective learner experience. Um, and these individuals actually viewed the work as more of a job and, and not, uh, they didn't really take advantage of the opportunity to really explore and be innovative. And so that's uh, presented a, a, a great challenge for me. Um, some of the deliverables that I've been responsible for delivering, um, just not having a cohesive team that are either passionate or skilled enough to really um, trickle down into the requirements of L&D. And when I mean everything from measurement to consulting to designing and developing concepts around training and, and uh, working with key stakeholders, those have been some of the challenges that I've been experienced, just not really having that team. Alicia, what about you? So I completely understand what Crystal said about being the power of one, the team of one. At one point in my, in my current uh, role at Oxner, at one point, everyone from our team had left. We had massive turnover, the, the department director who hired me and all my colleagues went either transitioned to other roles or left the company. And it was just me and a new VP that we had hired. And I like to say that we were building the plane as we were flying it. And we were tasked with an initiative to completely redo the learning for the whole system. We have about 25,000 people and there were two of us. And so that was personally the biggest challenge at my current role is we're hiring. We are tasked with, you know, bringing solutions to our learners in a variety of ways, and we don't have any resources. Um, but I would say once we restocked and we had more people come in and we were cranking out the learning, um, we, we've definitely met those needs. But I think overall, the biggest challenge, especially working internally as an L&D consultant, is just making sure that we are providing learning in a variety of methods because we do have people who are working on the floor in the hospital and they can't leave to come to a more traditional in-class training for four hours. So how do we satisfy our learners' needs and skill them up while making sure that we're providing opportunities that 
is actually feasible for them to attend and to use and that they're going to be able to take this learning and apply it to their day to day. So that's been a huge challenge. And if y'all have any answers, I would love to get some uh, some feedback and suggestions from you. <laughs> I, I think there's there's a uh, the the dual challenges of, of uh, working in L and D. You both have alluded to to them here a little bit, uh, which is they really both tie back to to culture in in one way or another. There's there's um, how do how do you uh, influence the organization's culture and build learning programs that that uh, that move the organization in a direction of uh, adopting and embracing training, but also as Crystal was saying, it's 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 managing the culture of uh, your team, whether you're starting with a team of one or two or building, um, so that so that there's a, there's a, a passion and commitment around around the mission of learning. And, and I wonder if you could talk about um, you know how how do you manage that. Uh, that part of the role, which is which is essentially being the uh, um, sort of the, the evangelist, if you will. Uh, for me, it's really Scott. To be perfectly honest, I've taken so many of the key components of the curriculum for their certified professionals in training management program, and have adopted them immediately. Um, I just got certified in November of 2018, but I'll tell you, just being able to use the tools like the portfolio rationalization process, or you know, looking at you know how to really outsource training, and uh, what was really instrumental for my team is helping them really understand the training process framework. So for us, it was about, you know, we we do a lot of these things already. I don't think that we knew really what they were formally, but that training process framework gave me a great opportunity and a great tool to really align my team and help outline some processes and some procedures and really solidify an intake process for Guitar Center we have uh, a little bit over 11,000 associates, um, but the business is, is complex in a way that we have, you know, our retail audience, which is our biggest audience. We have our distribution center audience, our contact center audience. We have our music and arts locations, um, um, which is expanding even as we speak. And so we have many stakeholders that have to be involved in this process. So for my team, I felt like what we could do to better support the culture was to create a process, um, a, a smooth intake process, and have a very transparent L&D plan that we can make available so that even if we weren't able to meet the needs of the entire enterprise, at the bare minimum, we had a strategic outlook on what are some of the things that were most important and what are the things that we can accomplish at least in 2019. And then what's gonna be our plan for moving forward for how we think about training and what the needs of our people are. And Alicia, how how is your um, perspective either similar or different uh, in in the healthcare uh, vertical? Yeah, Scott, I would say communication, 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 (laughs) going out and talking with people, understanding who needs what, um, leadership, advocation, getting the message crystal clear to the leadership team, and then getting them to go out and to continue amplifying that message to their leaders and their one-overs. And just making sure that everyone has a clear understanding of what's in it for me, what's in it for the employees, for the leaders, how are they going to benefit from this, framing and reframing that message so that it hits the right people at the right time. And in in healthcare, especially in our large and very hierarchical organization, which most of healthcare is like that for the you know the right needs, but it's just getting that message escalated up and making sure that it stays 
the right clear message, getting it up there and helping people understand the why and what's in it for them. Right now, um, for you know, recent college graduates who are working in learning and development or, or for people who are transitioning into the field from, from another uh, industry or function, what advice do you have for those people? I'd go, um, I would advise them to learn as much as they can about the industry as a whole so that they understand the possibilities. And then once they really understand the industry, then they can narrow their interest to maybe one or two focus areas. Um, if they prefer the consulting side, I'd advise them to get some experience in internal consulting perhaps, or if they prefer to use more of their creative skills, then I would advise them to look into the instructional design development opportunities, um, or maybe they have an, an interest in measurement, which is strongly needed in my opinion. I would advise them to look into some of the traditional models around measurement, as well as some of the new and innovative data collection tools. Um, as you know, there are so many paths in L&D that one can choose from, but I would advise them not to try to take them all on because um, it can absolutely be all consuming um, and interesting at the same time. Uh, but if you really want to grow your expertise as a thought leader in this space, you know, learn as much as you can, but then try to focus on uh, at least one or two areas that you really want to become an expert in and, and offer, you know, or add to the body of knowledge in, in those particular areas. That's great. Thanks. Alicia, what about you? Just like Crystal said, it can. there's so many different paths. It could be overwhelming um, for, I mean, for anyone really to navigate through what do I want to do and, and how do I get there. So I like to think about just keep it simple. Start doing something. Start taking some kind of action. I know when I first moved to New Orleans, I actually came here to start a startup. It was a hub for leisure learning and professional development. I am not working in the startup now, as you can see, um, but I had no idea what I was doing when I first moved here or the resources at my disposal. So the simplest thing I did that could help my, myself was I just started reaching out to people on LinkedIn or looking at different local associations like SHRM or ATD and trying to get myself involved with what's going on in, in the industry. Who can I speak to? Who will meet me for coffee to start understanding what different people's work looks like and find out what am I interested in? What pieces of their work am I interested in? And where can I learn more? Just by starting somewhere. I mean, shadowing's excellent. But I think the easiest thing to do is just start connecting with people. And LinkedIn is such a wonderful resource to start looking at what kinds of jobs people have and then asking them questions. Typically, people don't shy away from talking about themselves or their journeys. So I think that most people are willing to help and at least you know answer your questions and possibly even meet you for a phone call or Skype interview. Yeah, LinkedIn is a tremendous resource. I'll just put a plug in for um, for the training industry group actually on LinkedIn, which is which is uh, um, it is it's a uh, you have to request membership, but that's not because we want to keep uh, the the right folks out. We want to make sure that it's a it's a, a, a sort of a neutral and and supportive conversation environment. But uh, um, you know. I would encourage folks to uh, seek out the training industry group and participate in some of those conversations. Um, and there's also for um, for those who certify um, as a certified professional in training management, there's a uh, an alumni group also on LinkedIn uh, for networking and problem solving amongst uh, in between CPTMs. So, uh, so both of those I you know, but fully uh, fully support the uh, notion of using LinkedIn and and building. Uh, 
building relationships, trying to uh, trying to find uh, uh, folks who can just give you a, a broader perspective on what the possibilities are. So let's look at the the um, uh, maybe the future of learning and development. Uh, from your perspective, uh, and Alicia, I'll let you maybe start off with, with this one. Um, what 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 do you think is exciting about the future of the LND role? I I'm actually most excited about supporting learners in realistic ways. I think that all these new technologies that are coming out in rapid fire are helpful to offer bite sized learning. And I mean, in the world that we live in today. I mean, longer the day, long gone are the days when the only option for learning was that half or full day in-class learning event, which is absolutely still useful and necessary, but offering less traditional options to meet the needs of our busy society and workers, I think is going to transform the way that people are be, are working and the way that they're effective in their roles. So I'm excited about all this new technology that's coming out. And if you ask me specifically which one, I really don't know if I have an answer for that. So don't ask me that, Scott. Um, <laughs> I think any of the, just the automation, um, being able to, to for people to use, kind of to work, I say at the top of their license. So for us to use things like automation and chatbots and AI for to allow people to work at the top of their license so they can do the human things that, automation and that robots and technology cannot do, I think is going to transform the workplace as a whole. Right. So I'm very and, excited and, and, to see where that goes. Yeah, and being, you know, and I think there's there's a, an appropriate level of, of perhaps vagueness when, when talking about, well, what which technology is best because the you know the best answer is that depends. It's so it's so dependent on, you know, any individual company or department's uh, you know criteria. So so you know what your you know uh, learning technology stack looks like is going to be different than than almost any of your your peers just because you know the the on the ground reality is going to be a little bit different. Um, Crystal, you had mentioned uh, data and measurement particularly, but uh, um, you know, when you look at the future of L&D, are you also thinking technology or are you thinking in, in other ways as well? A, a little bit of both. So, you know, I remember when video training first came out and how excited I was to be able to access information from across the globe. Um, I've not done a whole lot of research on data management and AI, but I'm definitely looking to learn a little bit more in that particular area. But for me, I think what's what's also exciting is the emerging of the OD role in the L&D space. And so while I think it's certainly gained some traction, I think there's still a little bit of ambiguity around what should be considered as an appropriate title or even a job function for OD professionals or consultants. So some organizations seek you know, organizational development consultants, others, perhaps a director of organizational development or even or, um, or OD specialists. But I think they all allude to looking for an individual that possess a certain skill set, a unique skill set that requires a solid understanding of um, strategy, execution, change management, and all of the things that, again, really deal with the people element. OD is very broad, and I, I, you know, even when you look on LinkedIn for the job titles or different job opportunities, I'm really seeing more of an emergence of that OD role, and it's interesting to see how that's folding into the learning and development space. Right now, uh, I'm going to give you both an opportunity to brag about yourself a little bit. Looking back on your career so far, what is one thing that you're especially proud of? You know, I really, 
I think that for me, maybe not one thing in particular, I want to say that just having the opportunity to create my own path within talent management and L&D has been extremely rewarding. So working for a company, but also carving out my own brand um, to be able to help people both internally where I'm working and then also externally to change their perspective and to learn to work differently, communicate differently, and just see situations differently to improve their work life has been tremendous. So I had the opportunity last summer to speak at Tice and I connected with several people and and got to spread a message a little bit and then having all these opportunities um, to do to do talks with local associations and help people outside of just where I'm working just at Auctioner but more more with a community of L&D and professionals as a whole has been extremely rewarding for me. I would have to agree with Alicia. I think um, the L&D space has absolutely provided an opportunity for me to become a thought leader and create my own path. Um, I've been super nervous about putting out a website around my expertise, just because, you know, once you once you break that ground and you consider yourself an expert in something, then your expertise is always subject to criticism and all of those things. But I can't apologize for the things that I've learned and the value that I've added to um, the organization that I've worked in. And so I'm excited about that. I'm very, very proud to have made this transition to the learning and development space. Um, Like Alicia, as a facilitator, I've shared the stage with, with many trainers and subject matter experts. I've met some amazing people along my journey. Um, I also feel like this is just the beginning. I'm always super excited about the TICE conference and the webinars. I spoke last year as well, and I'll have an opportunity to speak as a presenter again this year. Um, Being a contributing author to the training industry, um, online articles has been awesome. Even opportunities like this to be featured as one of the speakers on your podcast series. I think it's absolutely amazing. Uh, When I look at other organizations like ATD with keynote speakers like, you know, President Obama, Marcus Buckingham, Oprah Winfrey, and and everyone else who have these massive followings. I get really excited about the industry and, and how it's really starting to attract attention from the larger society overall and the possibilities of even expanding. I think that um, training industry is absolutely a foundational organization and that I'm looking forward also to, you know, partnering with training industry however I can, but I also think that it is a much needed resources for people like me, for people who are looking to create their path within the L&D space, for people who may consider themselves a thought leader already and just really want to remain relevant or find out what's the latest and greatest in terms of L&D. Crystal Walker, Director of Organizational Development at Guitar Center, and Alicia Engel, Senior Talent Management Consultant at Auctioner Health System. Uh, Thanks to you both for sharing your expertise with us today on the Business of Learning. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you for inviting us to be a part of this episode. It's absolutely an honor. Thanks to you both, and thanks to everyone for listening to the Business of Learning. As always, you can find more resources on our website and on the podcast page at trainingindustry.com slash trainingindustrypodcast. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our email newsletter to receive the latest training industry content like Crystal was talking about straight to your inbox. Until next time. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at trainingindustry.com or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. 
Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.